Okay, you can do way better than that, I know. Good morning. We are so glad to be here this morning. My wife, Sonia, is sitting right there. If you just kind of wave your hand, I know you don't want to stand up. Wave your hand there, yeah. And then my, my three boys, uh, David, Daniel, and James. And James is about to get married, so pray for his wife on that one. Um, we are thrilled to be here. We are thrilled, and the hospitality that we have received and been shown has been overwhelming. And so we're, we're, just, we're excited about the possibility of joining and being part of what God is doing here on the East Campus to reach this community for Christ. We're excited about that possibility. So today, all I want to do is I want to share my heart. I want to look at some scripture, and I want to share my heart so you can get an idea of what drives me, what motivates me, and most importantly, how I am wired. Because the one thing I know is, as I look across the room, we are not all wired the same way, are we? I mean, there's some of you in the room that are very melancholy, right? You're just kind of chilled out. And then there's some of you in the room, and you're, you're the thinkers. You're the, you're the intellectual people that kind of intimidate me. And then there's some of you in the room like me. You are super intense. Do I have any intense people in the room today? Uh, just turbine out. Okay, there's a couple over here, okay? The rest of you missed out. But we're intense people, and I love intensity. I'm that guy that loves those moments of intensity. I love it when I'm watching a sport. Maybe it's golf, because I like golf, Herb. And I'm watching golf, and there's this moment of if he makes the putt, he wins. And if he doesn't, he doesn't win. Or if there's baseball, I love big baseball. And maybe it's the seventh inning of the World Series, and if he gets a base hit, they win the game. But if not, they don't win the game. Or I love gymnastics to watch the Olympic gymnastics, and maybe one of the girls are doing the the vault, and if they land the vault, then we win the gold medal, but if not, we don't. I love those intense moments, and here's why. Because intensity brings clarity, right? Intensity brings clarity, because in that moment, if he makes the putt, he's a major champion. In that moment, if he gets a base hit, they will win the World Series. In that moment, if she lands the vault, America walks away with the gold medal. I love those intense moments because those intense moments bring clarity. And those intense moments determine outcome. And that outcome, listen to this, that outcome hinges on one moment. You ever thought about that? A golfer, it doesn't matter what he did three and a half days prior to that, it's that moment. That baseball hitter, it doesn't matter if over 100 in the World Series, it's that moment. That gymnast, maybe she fell when she was doing the uneven ball. But right now, it's that moment. I love intensity because in that moment, everything hinges on that. Now, it's interesting. Jesus said something that's very, very intense. You want me to switch back? All right, bro. Here we go. All right, we'll give this a shot. I don't have to turn this off. I'm going to give this to you. We good? We good? If you're good, say amen. Amen. All right, good. I got a big mouth anyway. Here we go. Jesus talks about some things that are very, very intense. In fact, Jesus says that all of life hinges on two things, meaning this, that the direction of our lives depend on two things. The way we view the world we live in depends on two things. The purpose and the mission of our lives depend on two things. And so today, what I want to do to kind of share my heart and my passion is I want to share the words of Jesus and these two things that all of life hinges on. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 22. Grab your Bible, grab your iPhone. If you don't have one, take your neighbors, all right? Because Matthew, chapter 22 is where we're going to be today. I'm going to begin reading in just a minute in verse 34. Now, as you're turning there, I want to give you a little context into the passage. If you've read the Gospels at all, here's one thing you know, that the religious leaders did all they could to trap Jesus, right? They were doing all they could to get Jesus to get caught up in something where they could go, look, this guy's not from God. 
And in Matthew chapter 22, there's two instances. One, the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they begin asking bizarre questions like this. Well, like, you know, if, 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 we, if we're going to honor God with our money, do we pay Caesar any taxes? And then Jesus responds to them, and he just shuts them down. And so they walk away frustrated. And then the Sadducees, these were the political-minded Jewish people. The Pharisees were the religious, and the Sadducees were kind of the political-minded. Well, they come to Jesus right after that, and they say, hey, look, Jesus, here's the thing. You know, if, 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 we have a, if we're married and we die, and, and yet we have no kids, and then it pa- the wife passes on to the next person, they, and he goes to this scenario, if we have seven brothers, and they all die with no kids, and the wife keeps passing on, well, then whose wife will she be in the day of resurrection? Whose wife will she be when we get to heaven? I mean, is that the kind of question we ask every day of the week? No. Why are they asking? To question and to challenge Jesus. And Jesus shuts them down. And then they step their game up. They don't just grab a religious leader or a political figure. They grab a lawyer, right? They grab the intellect of the group who's going to carefully craft a question. And the question he asked Jesus is the passage I want us to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you right now, stand up with me in honor of reading God's word. Stand up with me as we read Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends or hinges all of the law and all the prophets. Let's pray together before we jump into it. God, may you honor your word today. May you speak to us. May we look at what Jesus says, that there's two things that all of life hinges on, and may we be challenged by them today. Lord, we love you, and we need you in this hour. In your name we pray, and everybody said amen. Amen, you may have a seat, you may have a seat. Now the thing I love about the passages, it's the very last verse. He says this, that on these two commandments, everything hinges. That you could take all of the Old Testament, which had hundreds and hundreds of laws, and you could take all the Old Testament, and all the Old Testament hinges on these two statements. You could take everything that Jesus said, and everything we read the Apostle Paul, and all the other people wrote in the New Testament, and they all hinge, and they all point us to two things. All of life hinges on two things. Now, here's why I love this. I think in church, sometimes we do really good at complicating faith. Don't we? We complicate it because we think there's a to-do list and we've got a checkbox that we've got to go through and a, a checklist of everything we've got to do to honor God and to live for God. And I'm not saying we shouldn't pursue those things, but I think as growing up in the church, sometimes I just feel like we've done a really good job complicating what it means to live for Christ. Jesus says everything can be boiled down to two things. And here they are. Here's the first one. The first thing that all life hinges on is found in verse 37. He says this, you shall love the Lord your God. I want you to write this down. The first thing that all of life hinges on is loving God. Loving God. Well, Doug, what about all the, uh, wait, stop. First and foremost, above everything else, it's about loving God. Now, I love what Jesus does here because Jesus doesn't stop and just say, love God and move on. Jesus understands something. Jesus understands that we sometimes are not that sharp, that sometimes we need greater clarity. Because here's the thing we all have done. 
How many of you love God? See your hands? Great. How many of you love your spouse? I should probably see your hand if they're here, right? You love your spouse, right? How many of you love chocolate cake? Amen. You're like, yeah, right, right. And so what we do is we say we love God, we love our spouse, we love our dog or cat. I'm a dog guy, not really, but anyway, and we love chocolate cake, and there's no differentiation between the same. I mean, is the way that I love chocolate cake equal to the way I love God? Or is it equal to the way I love my wife? Hopefully not, right? Because that would be terrible. And so Jesus does something fascinating. He tells us what it means to love God. Look what he says here in verse 37. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. I want to break those down for you. First of all, he starts with the heart. You need to love God with all of your heart. Everybody say all. all. Not a fraction, not a piece, but all of your heart. Now here's what Jesus, when he's speaking this in this Greek and even a Hebrew culture, there was an understanding that the heart represented the core of a person. In fact, some scholars will tell you this, that the heart was referred to as the bowels of a person, meaning the inward depth of a person. And Jesus says, I want you to love God from the depth of your very being. That's how I want you to love God. Not a surface love, not a chocolate cake kind of love, not a dog kind of love, not even a spouse kind of love. I want you to love God from the depth of your very being. And here's why. Because in our hearts is where faith happens, amen? Paul said it this way. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you shall be saved. Meaning that faith originates, guess what? Where? In the heart. Proverbs tells this, that to guard your heart above all else because it's the wellspring of life. That faith happens in the heart. Listen, conviction happens in the heart. The loyalties we decide to bank on began and happen right here. The things we choose to do, the belief system we have, it all originates in the heart. And listen to me, here's the thing you've got to know. Scripture tells us if our heart goes unchecked, it is deceitful. It is wicked. That when we leave the heart to what it wants to do, it just it pursues the desires of the flesh. It pursues what the world is offering. And we must continue check our heart, surrender our heart to the Lord, and love God with all our Heart, because that's where faith happens. That's where conviction happens. We've got to love him with everything. He says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. From the very depth of your being, that's where I want you to love God. Now, just a quick question. Can we honestly say today, we, all of us, I love God like that? Most of us would say something like this. I do love God, but, I do love God, but, and we've got these exceptions to the rules, or we've got these areas of our lives that we want to hold back, and I'm just telling you, if our heart goes unchecked and we are not continually surrendering it to God and loving it with him, it will always lead us down the wrong path. Always lead us down the wrong path. He says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, the very depth of your being. And then he says something interesting next. He says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Now, this is an interesting word in the Greek language. It's actually the Greek word psyche. It's what it means. And the word soul, psyche, in the Greek is talking about our emotions. It's talking about our feelings, our, uh, our affections, our desires. He says, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your faith, your belief system. But I want you to love God with all of your soul, even all of your emotions. 
So to say that we're gonna love God with all of our soul is to say, God, my desire above everything else is you. That what I desire above everything in the world is you. That's what it means to love God with our soul. You remember when the psalmist said this, that, that who am I in heaven but you and there's nothing on earth I desire besides you? What was the psalmist saying? That the chief desire of my life, Lord, it's you. I love you with my soul. Can you say that this morning? That the chief desire of our lives and our heart is him? And to love God with all of our soul, to love him with all of our soul means to say, Lord, I desire you above everything else. It also means to say, Lord, my heart longs to know you. One of my favorite passages in Matthew chapter five is when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, I played football when I was in high school. I know you're like, yeah, you look like a big football player. Well, I was skinny. I blew up after high school. And so I remember playing football, and I remember that was back before the days where coaches were mandated to give you water breaks. Anybody remember those days? They were terrible, weren't they? And you would literally be sucking on the sweat of your shirt just to get moisture. I mean, I understood what thirsty meant. And here's what Jesus says. Blessed are those of you who hunger and thirst and crave righteousness, right standing, truth. Blessed are you. See, to say that I'm gonna love God with all of my soul is not only to say, God, I desire you above everything else. It's also to say, God, my heart longs to know you. Not know about you, but to know you. But to love God with all of our soul also means to allow my feelings to be stirred up because of him. Now, I want you to think about with me for something just for a minute. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I'll sit around and I'll begin to think about the sin that's in my life, the wickedness in my life. Can we all agree today that left to our own devices, we are wicked at heart. Our choices, our decisions are not God-honoring. Our thoughts are not God-honoring. I mean, if we were really honest this morning, I'm just gonna be really transparent with you. When I look at my life, all I see oftentimes is wickedness. And I think about my sin, and I think about what I deserve, and I think about the separation from Christ for all eternity that I do deserve because there's nothing I can do to earn his love. But when I think about the grace of God, it stirs me. When I think about what Christ has done for me, it moves me. And if it doesn't move me, there's a problem with that. Problem with, like, with most Christians in the world today is we've gotten over our salvation. We've forgotten the beauty that Christ died on the cross, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think we've gotten over that. And as believers, we can't do that. As believers, we've got to be stirred by what Jesus has done for us. There's a song that my family, we're listening to a lot of right now. It's a song that just kind of wrecks me. It's a song that I just can't, I can't get out of my head. It's a song about the relentless pursuit of God. And, there's, and I'm, not, I'm not a singer, and if I sung, you would be terrified. So I won't sing it. I just want to tell you, there's a, there's, a, there's a section in the song, and it says this. If there's no shadow, you won't light up. And there's no mountain, you won't climb up to come after me. There's no wall, you won't kick down. And there's no lie, you won't tear down. To come after me. It reminds me of the relentless pursuit of God. And listen to me, if you call yourself a Christian today, a follower of Jesus, that should stir you that your heavenly father loves you so much that nothing stops him from getting to you. Amen? Right. Amen. Man, I hope that moves you today. 
Because I know there may be somebody in the room today going, you know what, Doug, here's the deal. You don't know my story, Doug. You don't know, I've done so many things. I've said so much, I've done so much. There is nothing that I can do to be honoring and deserving of what God has for me. Well, listen to me. There's not, your sin, your sin and your failures are not bigger than God's grace. It's not. I'm telling you, God's grace is huge. And no matter where you find yourself today, he's not giving up on you. He's not written you off. He's still coming after you. And will you just pause and let him? See, I believe loving God with all of our soul says, God, you are the chief desire of my heart. You are the thing that I long for, Lord, that my feelings, when I think about what you've done for me, it moves me. See, loving God with all of our soul means loving him with all of our emotions. Then he says this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and then he says with all your mind. The word mind there just means the way that we think or the way we understand. And let's just, just be honest today. The world we live in today, the place they're attacking over everything else is our minds. You can't walk through a checkout line at Publix or you can't walk through a checkout line at Wawa or however you say that. You can't walk through those checkout lines without being inundated by what the world says is right. Ladies, young ladies, you can't walk through a checkout line without saying here's what the world says is beautiful. Right? You can't walk through a checkout line and say, girls, this is what beauty looks like. Well, I'm just going to tell you, forget what the world says. Psalms 139 says, for I fearfully and wonderfully made you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are perfect and beautiful in the eyes of God. Amen. And ladies need to know that. And I'm just telling you, men, when we go to the checkout line, we're tempted to, aren't we? Here's what success looks like. Here's what Having something, I mean, it's all about having stuff. Listen, the greatest success we could ever have in life is to be in relationship with the eternal God. Amen. That's biblical success, right? And that's why Paul says this. Paul says, no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The only way we can transform our mind is to saturate it with God's word. You know, I've talked to a lot of people, I know Brother Herb has, and many of you have, that they wanna know stuff like this. Well, what is the heart of God? What is the mind of God? What is the will of God? I can tell you what it is. It's right here. In 66 books, you want to know the heart of God? It's right here. You want to know the mind of God? It's right here. You want to know the passion of God? It is right here. You don't have to look any farther. It is here. Amen. And he says, I want you to love the Lord your God, not only with just your heart, not only with your soul, but I want you to love him with your mind. And that means us taking every thought captive and making sure it's honoring the Lord. Now, Mark's gospel, I just want to add this. Mark's gospel adds, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now, strength just means the totality of a being. Meaning, I want you to love God with every fiber of your being. Now, here's a hopefully what you figured out and what I figured out and what we figured out today. It's this, is that loving God is more than just a basic belief. It is a deep, total love for him. And where do you land there? Do you... Do you love him like this? Do you love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strengths? Do we love God like that? See, here's the deal. The reason this is so important is because there's beauty in the order when you read scripture. Jesus started with this one. Why? Because first, it's the most important. And secondly, if we don't do the first one, we'll never do the second one. And here's the second thing that all life hinges on. Here it is. You ready? Look at me in verse 39. All life hinges, secondly, on this. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of life hinges on loving God 
and loving people. Now, who is our neighbor? Anybody? Who's our neighbor? Come on. Who's our neighbor? Let's talk to me. That's not very good. Talk to me. Who's our neighbor? Everybody. Everybody say everybody. Everybody, everybody is our neighbor. Now, here's where I, we have problems with that. Well, everybody, that means there's some messy folks in this business, right? I mean, so if I've got to love people, I mean, there's some people that are messy. In fact, some of you, if I could get you alone and we could just have a conversation, you might even say this. There are some people that, quite frankly, I think that might be unlovable, right? And if you don't think of anybody like that, it might be you, right? So, I mean, there's just this idea that, that there's people that maybe that are unlovable. Well, listen to me. When I think about my life and my story, I'm unlovable. I'm wretched. I'm messy. But God loved me anyway, didn't he? And he loves you anyway. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to love the Lord our God with everything we have. And secondly, we need to love people, not selective people, not people who look like us, act like us, have the same financial status as us, same social, I mean, whatever. Not, not people just like us. We need to love all people. And I'm going to ask you to write down two things today. Here's the first one. Two ways that we can love people. Two ways biblically that we ought to love people. Number one is to share the good news of Jesus with them. Number one, the best way to love people is to share the gospel with them. Matthew 28, Jesus says, as you are going, make disciples. As you begin your journey, as you go out from me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell people about me. I want you to teach them what I've taught you. And I want you to bring them into the kingdom and baptize them. I want a movement to begin, but you got to go. And as you're going, I want you to do this. He says, I want you to go share the gospel with people. Here's what I believe. Here's my heart's conviction. We live in a world of people who are searching and who are longing and who are struggling, who are looking for peace, who are looking for comfort. And listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have the answer, don't we? Amen? We have the answer. And what is the answer? It's Jesus. I mean, how selfish would I be if I had the cure to some known illnesses or some uncurable illnesses? How selfish would I be if I didn't share? What if I had the cure to Parkinson's disease? Or what if I had the cure from the disease my dad passed away from, Alzheimer's disease or cancer? What if I had the cure from that and kept it to myself? How selfish would I be? You'd go, well, Doug, your selfishness would be off the chart, right? Would you agree with that? Sure it would. But here's the thing. We have the cure for people's eternity, and yet we're keeping it to ourselves. We have the only message that can bring someone from death and to life and from darkness to light that can secure the eternity forever. And many of us are just keeping it to ourselves. And if we're really going to love people, we have to have a commitment to share the gospel. Don and I were talking maybe a while back. I don't know if it was on the phone or the second time I came. And I just, we were talking. I said this. Here's what keeps me up at night. Here's what wrecks me all the time. It's the words of Jesus, and I heard him say it this morning. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? Few. Can I just tell you what that means? That means that when God looks at the world, here's what he sees. People who are craving, starving, searching, and seeking for Jesus, but not enough Christians who are telling them about Jesus. Now, I'm telling you, that's got to change. And it starts right here in this community. Amen? If we're going to love people, we've got to show the gospel. Secondly, if we're going to love people, we love them by serving them. One of the most moving passages in John 13, you can read it later. John 13, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. It's the last time he'll meet with them before he's arrested and he goes to a cross. And he gets in there and Jesus does something amazing. He grabs a towel. 
He didn't sit down and say, all right, guys, we've been tracking a dirty journey here all the way into Jerusalem. I need somebody to clean my feet. Now, if we had foot washing today, you know, that would be awkward for many of us. And most of us prayerfully took a shower this morning. And so there wouldn't be too bad. But in that day, they've been journeying. I mean, their feet were nasty. And Jesus grabs a towel and gets on his knees as the king of glory. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And the disciples were reluctant, like, no, 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 we should be washing your feet, which Jesus probably should have responded, you're right, because I'm the king and you're not. But he didn't. He just continues to serve them. And then here's how Jesus ends it. He says, just as I've washed your feet and served you, go serve somebody else. Go serve somebody else. Now, here's what I know about me and here's what I know about most of us. We don't mind serving when it's convenient. We don't mind serving when we understand the circumstances, but when it gets messy or when it becomes a a distraction or an interruption in our lives, listen, sometimes we don't care about serving too much right then. But listen to me, the word servant in the Greek is the word diakonos. It's where we get the English word for deacon, and we have many deacons here today. But you know what the word diakonos means? It means through dust, literally what it translates. Doug, what in the world does that mean? Here it is. Serving gets dirty. Serving is inconvenient. Serving is messy. And just because it's messy and just because it's inconvenient doesn't opt us out of our responsibility to love people by serving them. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, Paul said it like this, that we should have the same attitude of Lord Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, who humbled himself and took on the very nature of a servant. Can I tell you one of the best ways for us to reflect Christ is not only in sharing Christ, but how we serve people, right? So here's the deal. Jesus says all of life hinges on two things, loving God and loving people. And here's my question for us this morning. Where do we land on that? Where do we land? Because some of you are honestly are going to say, hey, Doug, I'm thinking about what you're saying about loving God, and, and that does not represent me today. That does not represent my heart today. And not that I don't want it to, but it just doesn't. And then there's some of you in the room today say, Doug, I'm a follower of Jesus, but this whole all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, loving those that are, I think are unlovable, I'm not sure I'm there yet. I'm struggling. Well, I just want you to hear me this morning. This passage of Scripture is the lens through which I try to live my life. This passage of scripture is the lens through which I try to lead my family. This passage is the lens through which I will lead a church, that we will be a church that loves God and loves people. And if you're a follower of Christ today and you find yourself in this place where you say, Doug, uh, you know, I know that I'm there, but I'm struggling. I'm going to ask you today. I know it may be awkward, but I'm going to ask you today, would you just recommit yourself to the Lord? And maybe in a minute when Patrick and the band come back and and they just sing a a chorus of what a beautiful name, maybe you want to come on this carpet area and you want to get on your knees and we're going to call these steps an altar. Is that okay? And we're just going to call it an altar and maybe we need to get on our knees before a holy God and go, Lord, I love you, but I'm struggling. God, I'm going to offer you my heart today. I'm going to ask you to take my heart and I'm going to surrender to you. God, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to offer my emotions to you today, and I, I, I want you to stir something within me that you are the only thing that I desire, that you're the one thing that I long for, that, God, that you stir something in me about what you've done for me. Or maybe today you just need to say, Lord, I need to give you my mind. My mind is loaded with distractions, and I need you to transform my mind today. If you're a follower of Jesus and loving God and loving people is something you struggle with, would you just recommit yourself to him today?
Or maybe you're here today and say, you know what, Doug? I don't, I know about the love you've talked about, but I've never experienced that love. Where here's my word of encouragement to you today. You've never trusted Christ. Listen to me. Here's my encouragement to you. You have a heavenly father who loves you so much and who's desperately pursuing you. And today, would you just let him catch you? Today, would you just pause and surrender your life to him and say, Lord Jesus, I know that I've known about you, but I've never known you, and I want what I know in my head to transition to my heart, and I want to surrender my life to you today. And while today may be an awkward moment, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to be standing right there, and I know Don's right over here and Herb's right over here. If you need to accept Christ for the first time today and surrender your life to him, we would love to lead you down that journey. And if you're a follower of Christ today and you need to recommit yourself, this altar is open for you. Because we need to be a people who are always asking this question. What do I need to do to do better to love God and to love people? Let's all stand together as we pray. Let's stand together as we pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I just thank you for the truth. It never gets old. I would love to have been there, Lord, and, and, and seen the, the, the look on the religious people's face when Jesus just shot them down, when he just, when he just told them, said, this is what is greatest commandment. And if you took everything, here it is, all of life hinging on two things, loving him, loving God, and loving people. And God, I just pray for the believers in the room today. Maybe like me, they find moments in their life where they're struggling with that. God, I pray they don't beat themselves up, but today they would start anew. That today they would recommit themselves to surrender their heart or surrender their soul or surrender their mind or their strength to you. That today they might find uh, refuge in this altar and just get on a face before you, I holy and righteous God, and just ask you, beg you, and plead with you to move in their life. And then I pray for the person or maybe people in the room today that have never trusted Jesus as the Lord and Savior that today they would be caught. Today they would stop running and they would surrender their life. And maybe today they would have the courage to step out of their seat, come talk to me or, or Don or one of the deacons or Brother Herb and, and just say, I need Jesus today. More than anything else, what I need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, would you just move in this place? May your Holy Spirit fall fresh on us today. And may we sense you and feel you, and may you stir us. May you challenge us. May you even wreck us today about what it means to love you and to love people. God, we love you, and we thank you. And it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. And all God's people said amen. Amen, amen. This invitation's for you. If you need to come pray, please do so. If you need to accept Christ, we would love to talk to you about that. But please don't leave today. And leave a decision that you need to make unmade. Because you don't want to go back to the same way you were when you came in. Make sure that you're taking a step in your journey of faith. A step closer to living and following Him. So if you need to do that today, this is your moment.